This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The majority of this episode was recorded before the untimely news of Kobe Bryant's uh, passing. Obviously, uh, it's been worldwide news uh, across the globe, and it's still a surreal experience just given the tragic nature of the circumstances of uh, Bryant and all nine of the passengers who died in that helicopter crash on Sunday. You know, I don't have any profound words of wisdom or anything else of that nature. Uh, I think it touched the nerve with so many people across the globe just because of circumstances and the reason, well, not necessarily the reason, but like the circumstances of trying to be supportive of your child and get to uh, his daughter Gianna's uh, basketball game with her friends and their family members. I think that's part of what resonated uh, with a number of people that aren't even sports fans that have come to me to talk about uh, what transpired for me, you know, what I recall out of all of this is the fact that Kobe was the consummate athlete in terms of perfecting his craft. Because even though you would say that trying to emulate the greatest basketball player in all time of Michael Jordan is a goal to aspire to. Kobe was one of those few people who actually truly believed he could reach that summit. And, you know, that's one of the things you look for in athletes and the fact that they believe that they can achieve the impossible. And more often than not, they don't. But Kobe's one of the rare athletes that came close enough and through the journey and perfecting his craft, gained the respect of everyone around him as he rose through the ranks as a teenager, uh, playing in Philly, making it to the league as a teenager, playing his 20 years in the NBA as you saw him uh, grow as an adult and a leader. You know, I think, you know, in making that transition to the next phase of life where he's doing more than basketball, even though he's still promoting the game, promoting women's basketball uh, to a degree that you don't really see out of uh, former basketball players, uh, getting into different business ventures, making the transition process similar to what Magic Johnson uh, has done as well. You know, you see how much the community uh, in Los Angeles has been impacted by it. So all around, it is just a tragic, tragic uh, circumstances and thoughts and prayers. Obviously, without question, go out to all nine people and uh, and their families involved in the helicopter crash. All I can say is that 
you know, it, it's just a reminder of how much uh, we can't take for granted the opportunities we have in life and to make the most of things as we go along. And, you know, that's that's all any of us can ask for is just to try to provide the best life we can for ourselves and our families and, you know, just take the time to appreciate your loved ones. So uh, that's all I have uh, to say on the matter. I mean, there's so much more I can go into, but, uh, you know, it's just, there's not much in the way of words of solace that can be provided when you have a tragedy of this nature. And, you know, all, all, any of us can do is uh, just try to find some uh, measure of uh, contentment and understanding and just try to make the most of what we have uh, in our lives and appreciate the loved ones while you have them uh, in your lives. But that's all for now uh, that I have to offer at least. And uh, we'll resume with uh, the remainder of the program. Thank you. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, everybody. We are a week away from the big game. And the reason why I'm saying the big game is because the NFL has a copyright on what we refer to as a super, you know, the rest. Uh, so yeah, you cannot actually say, uh, in conjunction, uh, the two words together. Otherwise the NFL lawyers, uh, start sending you very, very not-so-nice letters on it. So I'm trying not to get fined. Uh, Why are other places able to say it? Mainly because ESPN and Fox are some of the few places where you can actually say that. And obviously, NFL Network gets away with it. But for everyone else, and even when you're advertising for the super party, if you will, uh... (laughs) Uh, they have to use code words uh, such as the big game. Yes, I know. Ridiculous, but absolutely true. So from here on out, I will keep trying to refer to it as the big game. Just so I don't get fined. Apologies in advance. All right. So let's uh, let's uh, at least do an initial breakdown We'll do a follow-up part uh, two on this uh, uh, as we get closer to the big game. As uh, we get closer and uh, we can do the full breakdown of what the final uh, bet line ends up being between uh, the 49ers and the Chiefs. Uh, Initially, uh, this line came out at uh, favoring the Chiefs by a point. over under was at 54 and a half. It looks like it's going to be creeping down to 54. Uh, looks as though the public money so far, at least initially, it's coming in uh, at least 70% on the Chiefs thus far. It could change 
as we get later on, uh, uh, because uh, the uh, the teams are going to be arriving tomorrow for the opening night of the Super Week. <laughs> oh man, I'm going to slip up at some point. I just know it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, the the public money's coming in on the Chiefs, so that line could start moving towards two points uh, by the end of the week. But uh, you have a very interesting matchup here. I mean, with the Chiefs, you know, you have a high-powered offense and a defense that has gotten steadily improved as they moved on uh, from the second half of the year. One of the biggest things that I've noticed with the Chiefs, and even though their, their defense is still middle of the pack in terms of overall statistical analysis, uh, they've int- improved tremendously. They've been the top 10 uh, defense since week 14 uh, of the regular season. And in large part, one of the biggest adjustments that uh, former Giants defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo did, and I love Spags because uh, Spags understands how to build out a team uh, to make a Super Bowl run. He actually made the switch of having safety Teron Matthew come in to play slot corner on uh, certain downs and moved out Kendall Fuller from the slot corner position over to safety. And that move has tremendously improved the secondary uh, to uh, to the point that uh, they've actually been able uh, to hold teams. uh, Again, one, one of the, one, one of the biggest uh, statistics that, uh, uh, people have overlooked is the fact that, uh, you know, they had an eight game winning streak where uh, the Chiefs defense held opponents to only scoring on less than 29% of their uh, possessions. Uh, you know, since week 11, that ranks about third in the league. And they've only allowed a touchdown on 17% of those possessions, uh, which is seventh in the league. You know, again, when you have a high-powered offense the way the Chiefs do, one of the biggest things that they actually have to do is uh, basically slow the bleeding. I mean, in years past, the Chiefs' defense was so bad. uh, I mean, they had to win a shootout uh, courtesy of Patrick Mahomes and win games 35-31 or even higher sometimes. Uh, They needed Mahomes to throw for four touchdown games. Now. with that all being said, Chiefs are lucky to even be in this uh, this game. Almost had to slip there. <laughs> uh, the Chiefs are very much fortunate to be in this uh, in this game because, by all rights and accounts, Chiefs should have been eliminated by the Texans if not for. And again, I'll make this announcement: Bill O'Brien is a terrible head coach. Again, Bill O'Brien is a terrible head coach. Because there is no way in a playoff game getting spotting a team 24 points that you should ever be allowed to come back from that game unless it's a spectacular choke job. And even then, to come back in one quarter against a team shows how incompetent you're, uh, you're actually being coached. Because that there is under no circumstances. 
even the greatest playoff comeback of all time before the Chiefs game, uh, when people bring up the Bills Oilers, there were other circumstances involved with Frank Reich leading the Bills uh, on that comeback. I mean, the Bills made a number of plays throughout the second half to get that even close and to force it into overtime. Like, there were a number of things. The Chiefs made that comeback in less than 30 minutes of actual real time. It was it was less than that uh, for uh, game time. But in terms of real time, from the people saying it's over for the Chiefs to, oh, my God, Patrick Mahomes is amazing. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to take this. Literally, that happened in a half hour. So let's uh, let's talk about this uh, a little bit further. The Chiefs had their home playoff game, courtesy of the Dolphins beating the, the, the Patriots in Week 17 and knocking New England out of having uh, uh, a first round bye in the playoffs, changing the dynamic of the playoffs entirely. And I think probably is the biggest reason why the Chiefs are in this game, besides Bill O'Brien being a terrible head coach. You know, at the end of the day, you can credit Patrick Mahomes for being the best quarterback in the league, as I've stated time and again. It's There's no doubt. He's, he's number one. There's no one close. It's him, and then there's everyone else right now. There was a time when you could say that about Aaron Rodgers. And then there's everyone else. Mahomes is even at Rodgers' peak. I still would take Mahomes over uh, Aaron Rodgers at his peak, which is insane because there was a point in time where I actually would consider Aaron Rodgers to be on the same level of Joe Montana and Dan Marino and John Elway in terms of overall greatness. And yes, I know New England fans, you're, you're going to scoff at the idea that I don't think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm sorry, I don't. I know he's he he is an all time great quarterback. He TB12 truly is, but no, not not on the same level as those guys. It's a different era, but that's a whole another conversation. Uh, uh, to to be perfectly honest. So, what do we have on our hands here? We have a matchup between the best quarterback in the league and the best defense in the league. Usually you don't see this matchup coming up in the big game. At some point, one or the other gets knocked out just because of the law of averages. It just doesn't hold up where you get the number one guy versus the number one defense. And the reason why I say Patrick Mahomes is, uh, the number one quarterback in the league is that he, again, when you look at the numbers, has had the best start to a career than basically any other quarterback in history. Through 35 starts, Mahomes ranks first all-time in, in passing touchdowns with 87, passing yards per attempt at over 9.3 uh, yards per attempt, passing yardage. He's over uh, 10,600 yards, and he's second per pass attempt uh, 
in in terms of yards uh, behind Kurt Warner. Again, Kurt Warner playing with the greatest show on turf, and Mahomes plays at an outdoor stadium, and also had a fractured kneecap this year. By the way, uh, you know people forget about that. Like Patrick Mahomes missed time this year and still put up these ridiculous numbers with a fractured kneecap. It, uh, I mean, had a dislocated kneecap. I. Uh, <laughs> so like I, I I I don't know what else to say because uh, there was a point this year with Mahomes injured where the Chiefs Super Bowl odds went to uh, plus uh, two uh, I think it was either uh, I think it was yeah plus twenty two hundred uh, is where the Chiefs Super Bowl odds went and I wouldn't even touch that line even for five bucks I I. <sighs> If you tell me that a quarterback had a dislocated kneecap and would come back and play as well as Patrick Mahomes did and run for a touchdown the way he did against the Texans and and against the the Titans with that twenty star twenty star twenty seven yard uh, scamper into the end zone that made all the highlight packages for the past uh, uh, week, I I don't know what to tell you, folks. It'll, miracles can happen, but I mean that that was something else by Mahomes. I mean, even if you adjust for, like, the different eras of uh, quarterbacks in terms of how uh, their passer rating uh, grades out, uh, on average, uh, Mahomes, through 35 uh, starts, like, the only guys that are comparable would be, again, Kurt Warner and Dan Marino. I mean, it's hard... It's hard to like you know, argue with the numbers, and when you actually see him perform on the field, you see greatness. You know, one of the one of the things that people, you know, they may not want to admit, but if Mahomes wins uh, the Super Bowl, oh, there we go, first slip. Oh well, hopefully it doesn't catch. If Mahomes wins this game, <laughs> uh. You actually have to put him already on trajectory of going into the Hall of Fame. As ridiculous as that sounds for a quarterback that, again, has only been starting for two years. It's absurd. Uh, But, again, not out of the realm of possibility. Just being honest, folks. That's just the way it's shaping up. So, to uh, go into uh, uh, to go into just the how he stepped up even further. Uh, prior to the postseason, uh, he had. Uh, I mean, he still managed to finish fourth in the league in uh, pass yards per attempt at eight point three and passing yards per game at two eighty eight when he was still come, recovering from an injury. In the divisional round against the Texans, he went 23-35 for 321 and uh, five touchdowns. Again, Bill O'Brien is a terrible head coach. But even uh, even with uh, the uh, Titans game, he also went 23-35. For 294 and three touchdowns to win the AFC title game. Along with the scramble that 
still has everyone talking. This is the reason why the Chiefs are favored. He is incredible. Now, the difference here is <clears throat> from a pressure standpoint, Mahomes has only been pressured on about 29% of his dropbacks this year. That's That grades out to about the fourth lowest among NFL QBs uh, this entire season. I mean, he's had excellent line play throughout the uh, season and postseason. However, even when uh, he did get pressure, Mahomes only took about a sack on 10% of those dropbacks because of his scrambling ability and improving on getting rid of the football. Now, here's the thing. San Francisco ranked, uh, in terms of their defense, they ranked second in the league in expected points uh, and also in pressure rate. Uh, oh, also, did I mention they were also a second in sack rate? So uh, they had uh, they had a higher percentage of pressure rate uh, than any uh, than just about every other team in the league, and uh, a sack rate in terms of uh, uh, NFL NFL teams of uh, with eight eight point seven percent. You know, in terms of what San Francisco is able to do, they they confuse you at the line of scrimmage. Obviously, they got uh, Nick Bosa as the number two overall pick uh, this year, but they've got four pass rushers on on that defensive line that can get as much uh, as mu- as much uh, of the uh, pressure as they can. So they've got guys that are easily capable of te- uh, double digit sacks per year on that defensive line. Because of all the draft picks the 49ers have stockpiled uh, post-Kaepernick uh, era of tanking and being able to have a stockpile of picks. Granted, 49ers did an excellent job drafting everybody, but they did have a wealth of picks over the years to uh, build out their offensive and defensive lines, which the Giants should have been able to do, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, again, sour grapes on my part. Uh in terms of facing elite pressure, though, this is the toughest matchup they're going to go up against all year because Mahomes and the Chiefs, they've, uh, in terms of uh, teams uh, that were in the top 12 of pressure, Mahomes has completed 67% of his passes, averaged 7.8 yards per attempt, 253 yards passing, eight touchdowns, and 20 rush yards. Again, <clears throat> numbers come down, but he's still putting up numbers. This is the crux of the problem for San Francisco. Can they slow down the Chiefs enough with their defense to give Garoppolo and the offense enough opportunities to wear out the Chiefs' defense? Because the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, the 49ers rush defense isn't as elite as their pass defense, but I, I don't want to automatically concede that there's no way the Chiefs can't have a big passing game against the 49ers defense. As great as Richard Sherman is, he's only going to be able to cover one guy, and 
even then, I still think that the Chiefs don't match up uh, or find ways of moving around uh, Tyreek Hill uh, into the slot and other parts of the field so that uh, Sherm isn't covering him the entire way through. I I think the Chiefs find ways of getting Tyreek Hill into different spots on the field to make life very difficult for the 49ers secondary and force other people to pick him up rather than have it be a straight out-and-out matchup against Sherman. I I don't think it's even remotely in their best interest. I think when you have Sammy Watkins on the opposite side there, you can have him uh, outside in the slot to take away Sherman because, truth be told, Sammy Watkins woke up out of the deep freeze against the Titans with uh, his 10 targets and uh, that the deep bomb, uh, you have to respect the fact that uh, the Chiefs can hit the big play with Sammy Watkins in the back, uh, it, it coming out of the backfield and even splitting out wide. Watkins has that game-changing speed. So with him healthy coming into this game, it makes a difference. It forces the 49ers to have to account for everyone on the field because you have two speedsters in Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, and you have... Uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, who can also line up in the slot and do damage uh, from that tight end position because, yeah, he can burn you deep down the field, but he can also gas you. Now, the one caveat that the 49ers defense is prepared for is they've been going practicing against an elite uh, number one tight end uh, because uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle have been one-two in uh, tight ends uh, for the past two years. So the 49ers are used to matching up in practice against an elite tight end. I don't think that's going to intimidate Quan Alexander whatsoever as the uh, primary coverage linebackers for the 49ers. Uh, I think Alexander is going to be on Kelsey, and I think he's going to do a good job. Uh, I just think it's a tough matchup. So Kelsey is going to get his touches. Uh, I don't expect him to have anywhere near uh, the uh, performance he had uh uh, against the uh, the Titans, but you know, at the same time, he is going to be factor because he's going to be pulling guys away from uh, what they would typically want uh, typically want to be able to do uh, uh, with the different uh, coverage fronts that the Four Niners are going to put up w- uh, with Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator. So, to me, the key here is, you know. The Chiefs play action, and the Chiefs use play action uh, at the like one of the highest rates of the league. They use it on 31% of their dropbacks, and uh, Mahomes has a 105-point uh, uh, rating using uh, play action. And, you know, it's one of those situations where the Chiefs use the run to justify passing. I think the Chiefs are going to end up having to run on this uh, 49ers defense at least earlier on to keep them honest because the league average uh, for play action uh, passing quarterback ratings at 97 uh, for play action passes 49ers defense. They shut teams down. Uh, I mean, the 49ers, uh, uh, play uh, quarterbacks are using play action against the 49ers defense. They're at a 94 rating with a six yard average per pass. They don't uh, 
they they actually knock teams down in terms of uh being able to throw the football it's it's really the run game where uh teams have had success uh against the 49ers and even then that was when the 49ers weren't healthy with the 49ers uh, having Quan Alexander back healthy it makes a tremendous difference for that defense that's where i think the chiefs still are going to have uh, uh, a bit of a struggle, but I I, I truly believe it's uh, it's the case of Patrick Mahomes may actually have to be the leading rusher for the Chiefs uh, this year because using the run to start setting up so many throws, I think is going to be vital. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to scramble to free up some of the downfield passing uh, attack, similar to what. Uh, Russell Wilson uh, is able to do in Seattle because to me, the blueprint for beating the 49ers is closer to what the Seattle Seahawks uh, end up accomplishing uh, against uh, the 49ers. Cause to me, the 49ers have been the, uh, have been susceptible to Seattle and Seattle is such a heavily grounded running attack. But the, the caveat is Seattle has the deep, a uh, big play uh, possibility, and with Russell Wilson, you know he can scramble too. I think that's the game plan of going after the Forty ers because uh, Mahomes has great arm strength and he has a great uh, ability to complete passes down the field. I mean, league average wide, if you're th- thrown deep down the field over fifteen yards, your average completion rate is under forty two percent. Mahomes is at forty seven percent. And again, he has a touchdown rate of 12% rowing deep down the field compared to a league average of 7%. Now, the case being with San Francisco's defense is the the average QB rating throwing deep down the field is only 78%. Large part of that is due to Richard Sherman. They... I mean, he goes out of his way of cutting off angles and lanes for wide receivers to get to on deep pass plays. It's one of the hardest things I've seen uh, teams uh, have trouble with against 49ers is they can't run the football and they can't throw deep down the field. So what do they do? They end they end up uh, getting uh, caught with uh, uh, caught uh, getting out of rhythm, and that's what happened to Green Bay. Green Bay couldn't run the football effectively. Aaron Rodgers isn't the scrambler he used to be. And the passing game ended up becoming a case of Devontae Adams try to win a one-on-one battle because if he doesn't win the one-on-one battle, the, the pass play's not going anywhere. And the, uh, the Packers were out of the game before halftime because of that fact. I just look at this as a case of with the Chiefs offense, They have to find ways of running the football to at least give themselves an opportunity of hitting San Francisco with uh, uh, with uh, some big uh, big plays down the field. Now, since week nine, and again, a lot of these numbers had to do with Juan Alexander being hurt, but they have allowed 350 rushing yards to quarterbacks. And 208 uh, yards had been to quarterbacks uh, using design runs. So 
again, the reason why the, the, these numbers are a bit subjective, in my opinion, is the fact that you're going up against Kyler Murray. You're going up against Lamar Jackson. You're going up against Russell Wilson. I mean, those are three of the best scrambling QBs in the league. Patrick Mahomes has added that to his arsenal, and I fully expect him to try to take advantage of that fact that he could scramble and make life difficult for the 49ers defense because I think that's the key to moving the football and having success uh, throughout the game. If not, then I think it becomes more of a 49ers-type game uh, versus uh, the Chiefs being able to do what they need to get done. Now, flip it over to the 49ers side of the football. 49ers on offense. And people keep looking, uh, knocking on Jimmy G as though uh, Garoppolo can't play. Guy can play. Uh, Bill Belichick does not designate you as the heir apparent to Tom Brady without having good cause. Bill Belichick, if he had his way, and I, 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 I have to say, if it wasn't for Tom Brady pulling the power play that he did and Robert Kraft going along with it, we could be in the midst of the continuation of the Pats dynasty for another decade plus with Garoppolo under helm for the Patriots as opposed to uh, riding out the wave with uh, uh, Tom Brady. Because as much as people want to criticize Garoppolo for not throwing too many passes against Green Bay, they didn't need to throw the football to win that game. The, uh, the 49ers run game, Again, they run it at the second highest clip of the league. But from an offensive efficiency standpoint, they were number two in the league. And they were number two in scoring behind Baltimore. The Chiefs are the third ranked offense in terms of points per game. Baltimore was number one. San Francisco was number two. They were all, uh, the Chiefs were just under 30 points per game. Uh, San Francisco's over 30 points per game. They were at 30.2. Baltimore was. Uh, uh, just a tad over uh, 31 points. But those are the top three offenses in the league. Like, people are sleeping on the 49ers thinking that this is just a purely defensive team. They score points in bunches. And because of their defense, it's the reason why they were a top three defense the entire year. The points allowed is, is not there either. Now, because the 49ers controlled the game clock, they limit the amount of plays per game. The 49ers only averaged 60, uh, 62 plays per game. Uh, that was 20th in the league. Chiefs were only 60. But part of the reason why the Chiefs are running so few plays is because they're hitting you with so many big plays that they don't have the ball a lot. They're just doing a whole bunch of short drives, and then they force you to try to grind, uh, grind out plays down uh, 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 to get back into the game. But the way the... Uh, 49ers operate uh, because the Chiefs usually allow teams to run about 60, uh, 66 plays per game. That ranked 24 for the league. 49ers, not only do they run uh, some of the fewest plays per uh, per game at, a, at uh, just under 63 plays per game, they also held their opponents to under 60 plays per game, which was fourth in the league. The 49ers shrink the clock by running it as much as they do and they don't allow you to hit big pass plays on them. 
So that's what happens when you're going up against them. They run the ball at the second highest clip in the league, uh, second only behind Baltimore. And yes, as a result, they throw it. They're ranked 31st in out of a uh, pass place called only Baltimore uh, ran fewer pass plays. I mean, it's one of those things where they force you into situations where they they make you have to pass against them. Running the ball against 49ers is actually the better way of having success, but because they grind down the clock, they force teams to panic and essentially empty their gas tank uh, trying to extend uh, games by throwing their way back into it, and you end up running up against a brick wall because, again, Richard Sherman shuts down teams, and the rest of the 49ers secondary, you know, not too shabby either. So when it comes right down to it, this comes down to a case of can the Chiefs slow down the 49ers uh, run game? Now, they were able to slow down Derrick Henry, but part of that I still contribute to Brian Tannehill not being able to throw anything outside the box to make the Chiefs pay for loading up the box completely and overselling to stop the run. So let's uh, let's talk about the 49ers run game. Tevin Coleman uh, separated his shoulder during the NFC title game and is doubtful for uh, the big one uh, against the Chiefs. I, I mean, truth be told, Tevin Coleman ended up falling out of this rotation anyway. It ended up being Raheem Mostert's backfield by and large. But Coleman was a nice change of pace back, so if they had him even close to 100%, I'd pencil him in, uh, and uh, I could see him having a factor. But the problem is, is that separated shoulder usually takes at least a month to heal up properly, and even then, for a full recovery, you're looking at anywhere from uh, six to eight weeks. Having two weeks to recover, I just can't see it happening, and especially for the running back position where you got people tugging and grabbing at the ball, I. I I can't see San Francisco risking uh, playing Coleman when he's clearly going to be compromised. I I don't care what they say. He can be healthy enough to play, but is he going to be nearly as effective as he was uh, before? I highly doubt it. So I can't see uh, Coleman being a factor in the run game here. So that puts the onus on Raheem Mostert, who had the monster game of 29 carries for 220 yards and four scores against the Packers. Against the Vikings, he went for 22 carries and 142 yards and two touchdowns. You know, from a fantasy perspective, uh, most of its uh, performances uh, rank only behind Ricky Waters just destroying the 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 Chargers in the postseason. Uh, 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 as the Niners won that Super Bowl that that year in '93, but you know it it's not a it's not a uh, a case of the Chiefs are going to be definitely scared of Raheem Mostert. I mean, most of the 49ers running backs are interchangeable, so you can have a Matt Breida game. Jeff Wilson can come into play here. The 49ers have enough backs that they can pose different looks for the Chiefs uh, 
defense. The only uh, versatility uh, that uh, you got a little bit more out of Coleman was Coleman did have more uh, essentially big play breakability uh, to break open a big run, but Mostert's been so productive and so heavy-handed with being able to slam into that uh, to that hole and wear out a defense that the 49ers haven't had to rely on having a big run play to jumpstart their offense. Their methodical nature allows them to just basically sledgehammer opponents into submission, and Mostert has been highly effective in that role uh, of the zone cut blocking scheme that uh, Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach, employs. So, again, the 49ers uh, should be in a position where they should be able to rack up 150 yards rushing against the the uh against the Chiefs. Similar to the way I thought the Titans would be able to do it. Now, I have far more confidence in Garoppolo throwing down the field as needed when the Chiefs stack the box, which I expect they will uh to at least show some face uh that they're not afraid of tackling Raheem Mostert head on and slowing them down. They're willing to sacrifice their bodies to uh, to get that win. And I got it. I'm very much curious to see how that matchup plays out because if the 49ers are unable to get their run game going, this becomes an entirely different game where Jimmy G is going to be relied upon to throw for nearly 300 yards to win the game for the 49ers. I I think personally that the 49ers are still going to be able to run the football at will on the Chiefs. As as well as the Chiefs defense has played, they haven't they still have not had an offense with the balance that the 49ers possess where you have passing options and a quarterback that can deliver the ball accurately and consistently, along with the massive run game. That's where the 49ers' versatility, I think, will end up burning the Chiefs uh, defensively. Now, with that being said, because of how much the 49ers run the football, I have a tougher time siding with the notion that this game is going to go over the 54 total. Based off of the number of plays run, I think this this uh, this should be closer to a probably a 52 to 51 type line rather than 54. So to me, taking the under makes sense here because I don't see the Chiefs having enough possessions to make a difference in hitting that over. Unless, of course, they get a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown, I just can't see the Chiefs' offense forcing uh, uh, enough of a hand uh, to. Uh, uh, I, I just, I just can't see it. I, I really can't see it unless the Chiefs get some. Uh, a, well, it's going to be more than one. They got to get a couple of chunk plays uh, of more than twenty yards uh, uh, gain to have the pace enough to get up to a 54 line. I, I think uh, with San Francisco, the way their defense is playing right now and being healthy, I think the under hits here uh, with the under 54, and I still like the 49ers to win this one outright. 
you know, still have a number of factors to uh, weigh in upon. And we're going to get into uh, some of the aspects of Super Bowl props and also start doing the uh, DK and FanDuel pricing uh, for the single game uh, on the big game uh, soon enough. But, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into this a little bit further. We're gonna start looking at the players to target, but uh, it's still early enough uh, that we we can start talking about it during the week. But uh, that's all I have for my initial thoughts on the game. Uh, definitely more to come uh, without question uh, a- as we move along. Because uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the biggest thing that I could see out of this one is that we're going to get an entertaining game. And, you know, as much as people hate the Patriots, you know, they've had provided some entertaining games. And then last year happened. Uh, the less said about the Rams Patriots uh, game, the better. <laughs> so uh, that'll be all for now. Uh, until next time, when we talk a little bit more about, the big game, and also well, want to get into uh, finally breaking down the baseball and everything that went on with the Astros and moving forward because baseball has got a lot of questions to answer for folks, myself included, because there's still quite a bit that we don't fully uh, grasp as to how uh, – as to how it was handled uh, uh, with Major League Baseball's investigation. But uh, that's all for now. Uh, Have a good one, folks, and we'll catch up uh, later as we uh, get uh, closer uh, to the game uh, next Sunday. So have a good one, and until next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.